This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers, welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater, joined by a new friend out of Branson, Missouri, Mr. Scotty Mack. This guy is awesome, and he is the assistant to the Dean of the Lab School at School of the Ozarks there in Missouri. I mean, by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be probably months ago, but just as we're recording this, about a month or so ago in Texas at a school conference that him and I are at. I love this guy to death. Him and I are both bald, so we connected immediately. He just has a way better beard than I do because I have a one that's non-existent. But this guy is at the school that is doing some really cool things. They're structured differently than I've ever heard a school structured before. And I'm like, this guy has to come on the podcast and teach us and educate us on how they're structured and different things that you guys can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. So I don't want to take any thunder away from Mr. Scotty Mack. I'm going to pass it off to him to introduce himself. So Scott, welcome to the podcast, sir. It's an honor, Mitchell. I'm really excited and uh, been following what you've been doing since we met. And it seems like you're doing some great things and a lot of great, great podcast series that you've done previously episodes that uh, hopefully I can live up to here. You will, you will, man. I mean, you're already ahead of the game, I feel like. So I always like starting off the podcast with if I was to visit you, which it looks like I might be visiting you later next in 2023, in Branson, Missouri, what what do we do for fun? Like, especially, I know it's March, I think it is, but like, hey, what's there to do in Branson? Like, I feel like I don't even know anything about Branson, Missouri. So what would we do for fun? Well, I can't wait to introduce you to Branson. Branson's unique. It's not a small, it's not a big area, but we have a lot of tourists come from your Arkansas and small town Missouri's that come to Branson. It previously has been known for a lot of shows, whether that be comedy, singing, entertainment shows. There's a little strip with a lot of different theaters on it and a lot of putt-putt, a lot of mini golf, things like that. But uh, Branson is seemingly changing into kind of a golf destination. Many beautiful, beautiful courses are popping up. The area and uh, Ozarks is absolutely gorgeous. Hills, beautiful trees, some great little lakes, a lot of fishing. Johnny Morris of Bass Pro has vested a lot of money into this area with things like Big Cedar and uh, some of his other endeavors. And so it's really becoming a tourist destination for outdoor activities. And you come, Mitchell, we'd lo- I'd love to go go play some golf, take you to some really beautiful places in the area, and hopefully have some good food. So Branson is definitely unique. Sweet. So obviously there's golf all over South Florida where I'm at, but is Branson open for golf in March? Or are they kind of closed up with winter time? What are they? What's it looking like? Well, if I'm being completely honest with Michelle, I don't play any golf. I just know that golf is really big out here as there's some Tiger Woods has kind of his thumbprint is on some courses and a lot of people come to play golf. There's also, I'll throw this out there. There's a lot of shopping, kind of outlet shopping that people come up from the surrounding areas to do as well. So a lot of outlets 
but as far as March, I'm sure we could find a golf course at that. <laughs> now, we had 75 degree weather two days ago, and then uh, we've dropped down the last couple of days to in the 30s and had snow last night. So, you know, who knows? March, I, you know, who knows what the weather will be, but uh, we'll definitely find some really fun things to do. Sounds good, man. Well, I'd love to get your background on how you got to where you are specifically today and just what your kind of your history of Scotty Mack is. Yeah. So I grew up in Kansas City and played some basketball. I got the opportunity to come down to Branson, Missouri, and attend College of the Ozarks, which College of the Ozarks is the college that School of the Ozarks is a laboratory school for. So SFO did not exist at that. To play basketball, enjoy my time, loved every bit of it. And forgive me for maybe just going a little bit into College of the Ozarks, but students pay zero tuition at College of the Ozarks. They work for their education. So each student has a workstation in which they work for 15 hours a week and it helps pay for their tuition. Or it, yeah, it helps pay for their tuition. So I spent four years here. Didn't really have much direction in what I wanted to do post-college, but was enjoying everything about college. Absolutely loved my time. Once I graduated, I friend of a friend mentioned there was a school out in Denver, Colorado that is accepting jobs as interns, basically at a Christian school out there called Valor Christian. And the idea was to invest in students, helping student activities, teach some classes here and there, do some coaching. And just really kind of get your toes wet in what it meant to be in education. So did that while I was out there, started to think about what the next steps were. And while I was out there, one of the vice presidents, Dr. Sue Head, came to visit Valor. And I'd been praying that the Lord would kind of direct my paths. I had started dating my wife at that time. You know, we weren't, and I was asking the Lord, I need to come back to Branson, Missouri. And in walked Dr. Sue Head. And much to my surprise, I was asked to give her the tour. And at the end of it, she asked if I would be open to applying to come help out as they were planning to open up School of the Ozarks. And so that was just over 10 years ago and took the job. I was a student life director year one. It was a brand new school. We just had under 100 students in the high school. And we'll get to, I know there's a lot of intricacies in regards to School of the Ozarks and how that works. I'm sure we'll get to that. But just for my journey, we ended up realizing that we needed to start a lower school. And at that time, they had asked me to step into kind of the assistant principal position. And I've been doing that for several, several years now and have loved every minute of it. So that's kind of my journey, how I, where I am now. Never in a million years would have thought that I'd be doing this. It's only by God's hand and his opening of doors that were pretty easy to walk through that I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's been a really pleasant surprise met a lot of great people, worked with so many great students, and just happened to work with the best colleagues that I could have ever asked for. So I'm really blessed, love what I do, and it's been an amazing journey. Love it. Love it. And so as we kind of dive in, I know you shared a little bit about College of the Ozarks. Let's dive into a little bit of like the School of the Ozarks in general. Like how is it structured? What's it about? I know we'll dive into some challenges you guys are you know up against, but like what Give us so people. I know there's probably a lot of people going, well, School of the Ozarks never heard of it. What do you mean it's structured differently? So uh, dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So just kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, School of the Ozarks is a department of College of the Ozarks. So we function with the same mission and vision of College of the Ozarks. We have under 300 students K 12, and we are full. So just like the college, zero of our students pay any tuition. 
all of our 90% of our families qualify for financial aid. And so that's the idea around the institution is to provide a Christian education for students who otherwise would not have the financial means to pay for that. And so we could grow, but again, we don't charge tuition. All of that money, we are a part of the college's budget. We function in that way as a t- as a department. So like other schools where students come in, they're getting that tuition money to help maybe hire more faculty or build something else. We are a part of the college's budget and the college is run by a quite large endowment of people who've believed in the mission and vision. You know, both me and my wife walked out of CFO with zero debt and an undergrad degree. And to see how that set us up in our life that we can now do some things that otherwise if we had incurred debt by another university, we wouldn't have been able to do. It's just been an amazing gift. And so our families pay small fees that would cover some day-to-day things at the school, but those fees can even be brought down depending on the family's financial situation. So when families apply, they fill out some financial information and that goes to somebody, goes to a department on the campus that they determine whether that family is financial aid. So I don't, I don't get into the weeds of a family's financial situation, but it is a part of our interview process and choosing of students to be a part of our school is whether or not they qualify and would fit the mission and vision of School of the Ozarks and College of the Ozarks. So cool. I love, and you guys have been around for how long now, the School of the Ozarks? School of the Ozarks is on its 11th year. The college was founded in 1906 by a Presbyterian preacher and who saw just the need for education in the area and decided to do something about it. So it's a really amazing history and to see what it is today, to be a product of what it is today for my kids now to be at School of the Ozarks is just really, really cool. And it's always been founded on that. Like nobody's ever paid tuition at the college since 1906. Like it's never been. Yes, it started as a high school, then moved to a junior college and then to a four-year college. And so when they opened up the high school, it was like a reintroduction Mm -hmm. all on the principle of helping students not walk out with debt, but helping them by offsetting the cost by working on the campus. You know, we have a hotel, we have a restaurant, we sell stained glass, we have cows, dairy, students work in landscaping, students work in the college cafeteria. I mean, any job you can think that is on a college campus, we have students working in those areas. And it's a really great deal because they end up, you know, being able to incur some real life experience of having a supervisor and a boss. And, you know, there are students, I'll give you an example. There are students that work up in the public relations office that are planning to work in public relations. And so they're walking out potentially with three years of hands-on experience of seeing public relations from a pretty, pretty amazing institution and how they do things. And so it's a great, great deal. And what a great gift. Some of the stories of some of the students that I know about how this really helped them is pretty incredible. It's a true blessing and, and God's doing some really cool things here. College of the Ozarks and School of the Ozarks. Love it. So well, with that, there's got to be a little bit of challenge still with, I'm assuming something, and we'll go, we'll dive in if there's any on there, but what are some of the challenges that kind of come to mind with School of the Ozarks that you, that the school's kind of currently up against, but not just here's what they're up against. How are you guys kind of combating those challenges? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think one of the great things I love working about at a school is, and there's just always room to improve. There's always room to grow. 
And I think that's what always keeps me going is just looking at different things and just wondering how can we get better in this? I think one of the things that's unique to us is as we are a classical Christian school with our unique situation, knowing just sometimes the financial burden of parents possibly choosing a private school is when they come here that a financial burden is not necessarily there. It's an option that is really unique and really cool. One of the things, however, that comes with that is that maybe at other classical schools, parents are drawn to that school because they're classical. Um, they're, they're going to that school because they're a classical school. And one of the challenges that I think that we're always trying to be mindful of, we're trying to really be intentional about is helping our parents understand classical Christian education. I think they know that we love their kids, that we have a great stability, there's high trust. And one of the things that we want to continue to work with parents as we partner with parents, we believe parents, God has given, you know, their children to them to raise them. And we're here to partner with them in that education as they grow old and wise is that they would kind of know what we're doing and how they can help us at home because we know that that partnership needs to be on the same page. And so when we're teaching things like Latin, when we're teaching logic, when we're doing recitations, when we're teaching math, maybe a different way, when we're doing some of these different things that maybe they're used to, the challenge can sometimes become for us, how do we communicate that with clarity that they can jump on board and be behind us as those students are going through those things. So I think that's one of the challenges that we face. I think the second challenge just often is, I think, continuing to step in on, on our side as well, is what does it mean to teach classically? Still trying to find that. You know, we have, we're weird because as soon as the doors open, we were full. And that can give off the impression that um, we're, we've been doing this forever. You know, you know that I just don't know many schools that have experienced that. And so I think it's just a consistent challenge for us to be reviewing how we're teaching, what we're teaching, looking at other influencers, looking at other experts in the area and really saying, hey, are we moving towards teaching classically with these students? And so that's just something that's always mindful of us. One of the great things about because of our campus, we can host things that maybe other schools can't. We can offer things that maybe other schools can't. So we get to host our own conference that we try to keep the fees as low as possible, like honestly to offset the cost because it's not something that we see as a moneymaker but as professional development, how does it get any better than bringing other professionals in this area to come and talk at a table with, come and listen to their workshops? And we have the space to do it. We don't need the finances to do it. And so it's just, it's just great things like that, that the uniqueness of our situation allows us to do. And we're really, really grateful for that. I think if I were to maybe think about one other challenge that is tough, Hmm. I think, you know, when we went to the champion group and hearing some of their things about healthy schools, some of those things we just don't have to deal with. And so I think sometimes the challenge can be this sense of responsibility that I think often we can place on ourselves, this heavy responsibility with this great gift, you know, to think in terms that tuition and budget, I mean, yes, it's there. We're mindful of it, but it's just something that's not on our plate. 
in the ways that maybe other schools have to deal with that. Some of those other things like donors and uh, planning or buildings or, you know, structure or things like that. They're just, they're just not something that we have to consistently thinking about. So I think a challenge and maybe it's a weird challenge, but I think just sometimes having that balance with the responsibility of such a great blessing that the college has awarded us as a school that sometimes can get to you. I don't know. It sometimes can get to me where it's just like, we have no reason not to be great. <laughs> like we have no reason not to be excellent. And so I think the challenge for us is finding that grace for us sometimes in what we're doing and kind of not always putting so much pressure on ourselves. Faculty and staff is just high achievers that want the best, that know the gift, that know the history of this institution and want to do great things for the kingdom. And I think sometimes that can add pressure to live into that time. So I just think a challenge for us is what's that balance of challenging ourselves, pushing ourselves and knowing the great gift. And also at the same time, just, you know, maybe just relaxing and slowing down and not putting too much pressure on ourselves. So hopefully that makes sense. I know a lot of those things are unique to us. I do think that partnership with parents is just how can we continue to always be good at that? And uh, how can we continue to challenge ourselves to teach in the tradition of classical Christian education? And how can we also have a great balance with the responsibility of the great gifts that many, many have poured in to make this school what it is? Those were perfect. And so you, you alluded to this a little bit. And I know you and I talked about this at the gathering in Texas. But those that are listening that haven't heard of Classical Christian before, and we've had a couple of guests on, and I've asked most of them this, but I know you and I specifically had a conversation where I was like, hey, like elevator pitch, you know, we're talking about Classical Christian if nobody's heard of it, because I think it's still, in my opinion, the more Classical Christian schools I've talked to, their challenge, and whether they know it or not, is explaining effectively what Classical Christian is in a quick pitch. I think they get, they start to get really long winded and go, yeah. I think that was good. And I'm like, well, I don't really fully understand what exactly it was. So if, again, I know we've talked about this, but somebody who's never heard of it, those listening like, Hey, yeah. 30 second elevator pitch. Yeah. I figured you'd ask me this and I figured I'd better be more buttoned up than I was off the cuff that last time. I do kind of want to like affirm that, that I do think it is something that we could do a better job of. I know there's a lot of different ways that people have described it. I know that's even been for me and so much so Mitchell that I would even say that I want to give some, some credit where some credit's due. We've not yet ruled it out and, and, but we've actually created kind of like a, a description of it, like a catechism of what education is that I think hopefully we work into kind of our weekly meetings is just like a going over these things, you know, and I shared this with you. Like, I wonder if like at the conference, if we were to give a note card, you know, and just said, hey, what is classical Christian education? Like, I do think you would have varying different answers. I think they're all probably pointing towards the same thing where those that in classical Christian education would go like, yeah, like you could describe it that way. Like, yeah, that that's kind of where we're going. So it's actually been something that we've also noticed for us mm-hmm. and that uh, we're, we're kind of working towards. I have to give my some props to a colleague of mine that really kind of spearheaded this, Dr. Kyle Raffinchuk. He's the real deal. And it sure helps having people like him, a part of your team to jump on this. And so he did a lot of work. So this is a long introduction to the 32nd pitch there, but I hope you can understand. I think I'm just affirming that I do think we could maybe figure out a way to do that. And if it's okay with you, instead of kind of like 
creating my own, I would love to kind of share kind of what we've taken and kind of created our, we would say, I think is, is good. So classical Christian education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on the good, true, and beautiful by means of the seven liberating arts so that in Christ, the student is better able to know, glorify, and enjoy God. So there's a lot in there to unpack. But I think, you know, we've looked at Andrew Kern in a lot of ways he describes it. And uh, so that's kind of like, that would be how we would write it down. I think, so there's my 32nd kind of like rote response to that. I know that when we talked, I described it as a parent and why I would choose to send my kid to a classical school. So I'm going to stop because I don't want to be, you know, what you mentioned as somebody who keeps talking about this. That would be kind of my rote response if somebody asked me of how I would describe classical Christian education. That's perfect. And for all those listening, like I want this to, this is a good exercise that whoever's listening to do for your school. It could be a non-Christian school, Christian school, Catholic school. Like it doesn't matter. Like you got to know how to describe and talk about your school. That makes you sound different. Because I think so many times we go, oh yeah, my school, it's A-rated school, got good teachers, you know, good. Like, okay, cool. Like, cool. Like, so is the one down the street said the same thing. Like, what makes you so unique, so different? So I want you like to be thinking about that. All those that are listening, like, what is that 30 second pitch? You meet a parent in, in the elevator, meet a parent at the grocery store. And like, oh, what, what school do you go to? I have a kid that's interested. Boom. Like sell them on your school in 30 seconds. Like, why is it the best school that you, they need to be going to? And so I think a lot of times we miss that as schools because we're in it every day, all day. And it sounds like, oh yeah, we're just we're a school. And I think, you know, businesses are very guilty of this as well. It's like, oh yeah, we sell burgers. Oh, we sell whatever. It's like more than that. Like sell me on what you do here. So just a little little plug. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I would just echo that. And I think, you know, ultimately our mission and vision is just that it is so unique. It is with the setup that we have, that it is what is always moving us. We're always coming back to that mission and vision that is unique that is on the tip of everybody's tongue. So I will say for as a school, I think you could ask every faculty member and they could, without even thinking about it, give you the vision for our students here at SFO. The classical thing is the way we've chosen to carry out educating students in that, but we see students as, you know, in a holistic way of many ways that they can grow in that. So I would just continue to echo what you're saying there. Love it. Well, as we, uh, the last piece of it before, piece of advice, I want to hear like, what's going really good? You've already shared some stuff, of course, that's going really good because you don't have to deal with some of the other things regular schools are dealing with. But if you were to share a couple of things that are going really, really good, you'd love to highlight and uh, kind of brag about, if you will, what would those be? Well, I think we have an amazing faculty. I just, for being as small as we are, you know, around 20 faculty and staff, K-12. Wow. Uh, have just been given a great group of people that really think they understand the mission and the vision. And I I think we are just really sold out to that. We have a lot of graduates of College of the Ozarks that are our faculty. So a lot of like really big buy-in. And I think that's just what we do really well is I think everybody understands how unique our setup is. And therefore, and has in some ways been a recipient of that, that to come back and that be their vocation and what they do, the buy-in 
for the mission and vision is really spectacular. And so I think kind of doubling down on what you've mentioned, that mission and vision and how it guides and should move and direct, like, is so important. And I think I'm just always really proud of that. I'm really proud of the institution overall of the college that I think there's just a really big commitment to that I think just really directs a lot of what we do and informs and keeps us on path. Uh, I, I don't think there's much mission drift. I don't think there's much varying. I think we do a great job of staying in what kind of what we want to do to develop citizens of Christ-like character who are hardworking, educated, and patriotic. That's what we do. We do those five things, and those are our five pillars. And so all those decisions really filter through that. And I'm just, I'm really proud of the way that we stay on mission in that. And so I like, I will say to what you said, sometimes it gets lost in the minutia of every day. Like, yeah, how do I take kindergartners to the bathroom without them running into the junior high kids who are coming from the lunchroom. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like there are some of those things that just have to be worked out. But in an overall sense, I'm really proud of the way that we keep the mission and vision at the forefront and really sets the course for us. Awesome, bro. Well, last question I have for you as we kind of wrap it up, piece of advice that you would share with other school leaders that are listening. Hmm. My piece of advice, you know, I, I still find myself questioning at times whether this, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I just, it's really crazy. It's really cool to see how the Lord's done that. And I would just say, it's just a practice for me and something that I'm really trying to work through. It's just like, man, trusting in the Lord that he has me in the right place to know that he's the one to provide the strength for the task at hand and that he makes no mistakes in that. And so I think uh, just an assurance that the Lord has a plan and to trust in that plan, to walk into those spaces going like, Lord, you've opened these doors for me. I have no other way. I have no other way to stand in this office and sit in this seat, if not for you and opening those doors. And to lean into that. Because I know, like, when you're leading, like, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of, did I make the right decision? Some second guessing, maybe. Do I have what it takes? And I think it, for me, is just coming back to the Lord's sovereignty and his plan in my life. And it was so funny because I'm sure you feel the same way, Mitchell. Like you meet people and you go like that guy, like his talents, his gifts, her talents, her gifts, like they are so perfect for that role. You can see it from the outside and you could totally acknowledge it. But I know that even sometimes those people that you would think that I think are still just going like, gosh, am I doing this right? Am I in the right spot? Am I, am I following through on what the Lord's plan is for me? So I think, just that advice would be to just continue to lean into the Lord. He has a plan. He has you in specific places, and He will provide the strength needed each day today to do what He's called you to do. Amen. Love it. Well, Scotty Mack, it's been a pleasure, man. I've been looking forward to this interview. I appreciate you giving of your time. I love what you guys are doing at School of the Ozarks, and I would love to see more models like that pop up around the country around the world because i think it is truly unique and it's just raising up great future leaders of america and of the world that you guys are doing so just wishing you guys nothing but the best as you continue to do what you're doing and i can't wait to meet you again in person and hopefully in march it sounds like so it's like looking forward to that man but thank you so much for giving over your time today here's all my mitchell thanks for the work that you're doing and helping i know that you provide and do a lot of things that a lot of schools need and i think 
things like this of just making connections do a lot for administrators and school leaders. So thank you for your work in this. Thanks for the opportunity to be on and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Scotty Mack for taking time and being on the podcast today. Again, I just love what he is doing there at School of the Ozarks and I'm wishing them nothing but the best with what they're doing there in Missouri. And I'm looking forward to meeting him again in March and just seeing what they're doing and getting a tour of their campus. So I encourage you guys to look them up online, see what they're doing, and hopefully take something from today's podcast that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. If you're in a school right now that's struggling to grow enrollment or finding ways to connect better with your families or any of that stuff, I'd love you to reach out to us online. You can find us at schoolsuccessmakers.com. That's schoolsuccessmakers.com. Or maybe you're more of a Facebook user. Check us out on Facebook. We've got a private Facebook group just for you called School Success Makers. That's School Success Makers on Facebook. I'm personally in there, and I'd love to see you too. And... We're launching this new thing we've been piloting with a couple schools that we'd love you to reach out to us if you're interested called School Influencers. We've realized with a lot of schools that we've talked to, one of their struggles is managing their social media. They don't know what to post. They don't know when to post. They struggle with creating content. Well, you guys have amazing marketers in your school and they're your students, but maybe you're just not sure how to empower them to help you with your social media. Well, this is what this service is that we're offering. I will coach your students on how to run your social media for the school so that you guys will have the best social media presence you've ever had because your students are going to be running it. I will be coaching them and giving them direction on what to do. So if you're interested in school influencers, reach out to us as well. I'd love to empower your students, pour into your students. I love students so much. So I'd love to help your school out with running the social media. If you need that, that is our service called School Influencers because that is what they are. They are your school influencers. We'll be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.